providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Welcome to FNF Unplugged. You're in for a real treat because we have a two-part podcast featuring the new CEO of the National Restaurant Association, Michelle Corsmo, where we catch up on her road to this organization, as well as how her leadership had to adjust to challenging times and circumstances. We hope you enjoy these podcasts. Michelle, it has been a long time since you and I talked. Boy, I remember when you and I talked about best practices in the industry. I've been watching your girls grow on social media. Things have changed a little bit since our last conversation, hasn't it? They have. Uh, The girls are bigger, taller. I now am second in height to my oldest daughter, which is inevitable, I suspect, and a really good thing. But everybody's great, and I love keeping up with all of my friends in the title industry. It's great to see the industry thriving. Well, speaking about tall, it was really tough for me having six kids And for, you know, for most of their lives, they were shorter than me. And now all of them are taller than me, which I think is a wonderful thing because I'm a short little Italian woman here. But it's a little intimidating sometimes when your kids are all, you know, towering over you and you're still trying to be that, you know, that mom. Authority figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's a good leadership skill. If you can be an authority figure to teenagers who are taller than you are, you can probably handle an office environment. Yeah, you can conquer the world, right? That's right. That's right. Oh, well, Michelle, you know, I first met you when you were CEO of the American Land Title Association. Right. But man, a lot of things have happened since you left Alta. Can you give me a little bit of uh, kind of not really your work journey, but give me a little bit of your personal journey that uh, you've been doing? Sure. I'm happy to talk about what's going on in my personal life. So nice of you to ask. Leaving Alta, of course, was a tough thing because it was such a family environment for me. I had such wonderful relationships with all of the members and obviously the team at the uh, American Land Title Association is uh, near and dear to my heart. And so it's been wonderful to be able to keep up with people. But I um, left ALTA to become the president and CEO of the Wine and Spirit Wholesalers of America, which was such a whirlwind. I started in September of 2018 And of course, we all know that in March of 2020, a year and a half after I started the job, we went into the pandemic. I was there through um, just this spring. I started as the CEO, president and CEO of the National Restaurant Association in May of 2022, which seems hard to believe since those years of 2020 and 2021 were such a blur Uh, in that pandemic. But in that time, my family continues to grow and thrive. My three daughters are all doing well. We actually moved out of Georgetown in Washington, D.C. into suburbia. Uh, I had all three of us, the girls and I, I should say four of us, the girls and I were all sharing a bathroom in our Georgetown townhouse. And my husband kept saying, this is not sustainable. And uh, as they're getting older and taller, uh, he was absolutely right. So we moved out to suburban Virginia, Northern Virginia, and have lots of space and more bathrooms. And so it's been a real blessing in that instance. Uh, And I find that I don't yell at my girls about picking up their stuff as often as I used to because I don't notice it. There's more space as opposed to it always being underfoot. So 
Yeah, four girls with one bathroom? Mm-mm. No. I mean, I know that used to be the norm. I mean, that's how people lived. How was it in your house when you were growing up? It was all four of us with one bathroom. And I come from a family of two girls. And there was enough fighting then. And I yeah. had two girls, four boys. The four boys can share a bathroom easy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. They don't care. They'll crawl on top of each other. Mm-hmm. But the girls, you know, they kind of need their own space. They do need their own space. So so that was good. But it's been a big change uh, moving to suburbia from the city. But, uh, you know, times are times are tough right now in cities, as I'm sure all of the title people know well. Uh, and suburbia does really offer a lot of wonderful things for everybody in those communities. Your journey has been great. It has been great. I was just going to say, I was reading something that talked about embracing the season of life, right? So whatever season you're in, um, if your kids are small, if your kids are big and you're busy, if your kids are grown and out of the house, um, if you have no kids at all, all of those things are a season of life. Uh, and you should just embrace that season and the way that you need to live in that season. And I, I thought that was great advice. And so I'm trying to follow it. That is great advice. I mean, your background, both personally and professionally, are are just my favorite topics. I mean, number one, the restaurant business, food, mm-hmm. right? I know. Um, yeah, which is amazing. And of course, to go with food, wine. And then uh, to me, that third leg of the stool is education, which doesn't seem to like tie in, but all three have been my passion. I was looking up when the Restaurant Association started and I saw it was like 1917 and my parents opened up their restaurant here uh-huh. in Chicago in about 1954 or 55. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, my dad was not much of a joiner when it came to, you know, trade associations. He he sure. always thought they were looking out for themselves versus the opposite, right? Right. And I'm amazed that you are over 100 years old. I mean, the 105 yeah. years old. It's amazing. It is amazing. And it, I mean, it's a great testament to the industry. I mean, I, I want to know more about your father's business. How did he start it? Well, you know, my parents were immigrants from Italy. Yep. So, and, and that is kind of the basis of Chicago, right? The melting pot. Immigrants uh-huh. coming from Greece and Italy and all parts of the globe. Right. And they kind of set roots in Chicago, you know, north side, south side, suburbia. And when my dad first came to this country, he was embraced by, you know, restaurant business. And he was one of the first cooks at the Italian Village restaurant in downtown Chicago, which is is still there. But then, of course, uh, my mom finally came to this country at about 1960. Uh uh, And then I came around not too far after. And so I'm literally first generation here. So I have a deep appreciation for immigrants coming to this country, setting up roots. And it seemed like food was Mm -hmm. that way to communicate. Yeah, was the language of everybody because my mom did not speak a lick of English when she came here. And as a matter of fact, I started kindergarten not knowing English, only Italian. And it's amazing how food is is that bond. And even with my own family, food continues to be that bond she didn't yeah, have to everywhere. speak the language. She could tell people she cared about them by the way that she nurtured them with the food and, and took care of them. Exactly. Sure your dad except, was the same. Except when she went to the butcher and she'd ask for a kitchen instead of a chicken. 
Oh, (laughs) there was a little barrier every now and then, but food continues to be that binding spirit, no matter what business you're in, no matter what your family structure is. Not in English, but in Italian, there's always a saying, Italians only eat one meal a day. However, it lasts 16 hours. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great uh, that's a great saying. And the other thing that's wonderful about the part of your story you were telling is what an opportunity it creates. And I've really appreciated that about the restaurant industry is how much there's an opportunity for everyone to create their own business through a restaurant, uh, through something that they know well, uh, that's very much a part of them and what makes them special. And then they can share that with others. Um, you know, in the short time I've been here, I've been hearing stories over and over again uh, from people talking about how it was the restaurant uh, industry that made all the difference in being successful in the United States. Just a week ago, I was in North Carolina. Uh, my chairman is the CEO of Golden Corral. And I went to visit him and he said, what would you like to do? And I said, I want to go with you to a Golden Corral. So we went to a Golden Corral in Raleigh. It was just a local Golden Corral, kind of around the corner from the offices. And he introduced me, of course, to the owner of that Golden Corral franchise. And his name is William Castanetas. William came to the United States, I believe from El Salvador about 17 years ago, and spoke no English, similar to your story, Linda, spoke no English when he came and got a job at a Golden Corral working in the dishroom, washing dishes. 17 years later, he now speaks very good English and owns three really successful Golden Corrals. In fact, uh, his second and third Golden Corrals are one that the business really wanted to uh, transition to him from other owners because he's known as such a great operator and a terrific turnaround guy. I was asking the uh, executives from Golden Corral that I was with, you know, what is it about Williams that makes him special? And they said his people love him right? The people that work with him and on his team love him because he knows what they're doing and he knows what a wonderful opportunity uh, that environment can provide for people. So he pays attention to the details. He makes sure that he's taking care of those customers that are walking in the door. And most importantly, he really takes care of his team. And it's just a great story. And it's one of so many. Well, the restaurant business is very difficult. I mean, Mm -hmm. I witnessed parents, you know, working 16 to 20 hour days, Uh, And it wasn't just, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. I could be sitting behind a computer for 16 to 18 hours too, but that is physical labor. It's physically hard, right? Yeah. My mom getting up at five in the morning and they would uh, split their shifts. But then on the weekends, like, you know, quote on their one weekend that day that they would be off, my mom would make two, 300 raviolis for the following week. right. Right. This is part of why we like going to restaurants so much is all the work that goes into making that delicious food we enjoy. It saves us so much time and allows us to appreciate the environment. So now, I there's no question, think, it's hard. I usually think that, uh, you know, kind of the opposite where I've started in the restaurant business and now uh-huh. I'm in title, your association experience, even though you had other careers before that, but you went from title or mm-hmm. an insurance trade association to the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it's fascinating because I constantly say, Michelle, when we're recruiting talent, I'm yeah. like, you need to go to your local restaurant. You need to go and you know talk to your favorite server because they are the best customer service reps mm-hmm. out there. Uh, how does that kind of translate in what you're doing right now? 
I think that that's an exactly true story. I have one of um, my board members at the National Restaurant Association that says everything you need to learn in life to be successful, you can learn working in a restaurant. But I like your advice to people about finding their teams in unexpected places. In fact, Taylor Spoladoro, who everybody knows well from the ALTA team, uh, was somebody that I knew because she was a customer service agent at the apartment building that I lived in in Washington, D.C. And she was great. Uh, She was really friendly and terrific and helpful and responsive. And I said, hey, would you like to come and work with us at the American Land Title Association? And of course, it's been a terrific journey for her. And she fits in so well in all of those things that I talked about and taking care of the members in a way that's really special. So you can find great people in, in great places. Um, I will say, don't work too hard to recruit out of restaurants because I knew you were going to say that it is a tough, tough business. Um, And I don't mean that I want everybody to have the opportunity to pursue the life and careers that they want. But that's another message that we're really pushing people to understand is that you can have a great career in the restaurant industry. You know, often people think that this is a part-time job or a short-term job, and they don't really stop to think about the life that you can build working in a restaurant. Um, I'm spending the time, some time this summer with my family in North Dakota and a local restaurant here in Moorhead, Minnesota, right across the river from Fargo, uh, had been open for more than 40 years. The Speakeasy, it was called, And it just announced recently that it was closing. And in the paper, they did these wonderful interviews with people that had worked and been working at the restaurant for those 40 years. And they were saying, I planned on retiring from here. This is where I wanted to to work for the rest of my days. And all of their stories were ones where they came to it almost inadvertently, right? They had gotten this job because they had just had a baby and they wanted to get back into the workforce, but they needed something with flexible hours. And so they started uh, waiting tables at the speakeasy and realized how much they loved it, how much they loved the people that they worked with and the guests and the customers that came in the door. They loved the flexibility. They loved the tips. All of those things that you can do within the restaurant industry uh, can really provide a great career. And I think two people forget about the other types of jobs besides the front of the house, back of the house um, kind of work. There's lots of places to be great managers, great accountants, great marketing people. Uh, there's it's it's a big, vast industry, and there's a there's a career for everyone here. No, you are absolutely right. I usually, when I talk to existing employees or employees uh-huh. of some of our title agents, the one interesting question that I like to ask them to kind of catch them off guard is, okay what is your last career going to be? Ah, you know, this way I can gauge, okay, are, is their present position like where they want to be or Uh do they want to be somewhere else? Or are they, you know, kind of building up their own personal brand to get somewhere else? And I get really interesting answers and it, it always seems like people go back to their roots, right? So Hmm. one person actually kind of turned the tables on me and said, okay, I'll answer that question if you answer that question. What do Uh you want your last career to be? I go, well, that's easy. I want to go back to bartending. I love it. Oh, you would be great. You know, I started, I I think I was only 13, but don't call, you know, employment agency. Yeah. uh, But literally at the bar, you get real people Mm -hmm. at the bar. Mm -hmm. And they're looking to get away. 
-hmm. And they're looking to have a conversation with somebody that's going to have an open ear, open eyes, and open heart. Mm -hmm. And I love listening to people's stories. So that was always my thing. My so last, perfect. you know, my last career, I'm going to go back to where I started and is behind the bar. <laughs> well, and what's great about that with you, Linda, is that you have such a nice way of making people feel special in the way that you make them feel heard. And if you're behind that bar talking to people that come in just because they're looking for a moment's rest or somebody to hear their story, you're going to make them feel special. And what a great gift to share. I love that idea. Well, and kind of on that path, we've had a lot of changes in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Things have been very difficult. Mm -hmm. And how has your leadership, your leadership style changed during these past two to three years? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's interesting. You know, we think first about all of the frustrations and the bad things that happened with COVID. Obviously, we think about the people that we've lost to COVID, which makes everybody sad. And then we think about the other things that were lost, the, the time, um, the connections, the opportunities. At the same time, there's a lot that we gained in COVID. Um, I gained a wonderful understanding of slowing down a wonderful understanding of saying no and being a little bit more selective about where I engage. And I think that if you were to ask me how my leadership style has changed, I would say that I'm more discerning. I'm more discerning about really defining the priorities for the organizations that I'm leading. And then doing that thing that I've always known is important, but has honed in even more of communicating and over-communicating the clarity on the priorities for us as an organization. Um, you know, as we've changed the way that we work, in many ways, I think that we're more connected because it's easy to see more people more often if you're connecting on video. I mean, look at how easy it was for us, Linda, to get on a call and spend some time talking. And then at the same time, it's a little less personal because you don't have the same hallway conversations. How are you doing? How's your family? So as we're thinking about those moments of how we communicate, I think it's really important that we're thinking about the message that we're giving people and what's the clarity in that message that you want to deliver. So what are your, you know, what are your key focus areas and your goals for the National Restaurant Association? Because mm -hmm. I know they're going to be similar to sure. the business I'm in. Right. Well, it's very interesting when you think about trade associations. I always say that trade associations really exist to do the following things. Advocacy, which everybody knows and gets excited about. Uh, networking, that important connection point for the industry to come together to meet with other thought leaders. Uh, communications, right? What are we saying about the industry to the general public? How are we communicating um, the message of the industry? Uh, education, what are we doing to help our members understand how the world is changing, what's happening in business? And then last, uh, and certainly not least, is standard setting. For the title association, you see that very clearly in the best practices. Um, you also see that, obviously, in um, the policy forms that are put out. In fact, I was just talking to one of my team at the National Restaurant Association who's closing a house and she said, I just got my ALTA forms. Uh, <laughs> and she was so excited. And I think it's wonderful that everybody sees that work product of the association that was created because there was a problem and a void in the industry with being able to communicate clearly to 
the consumer what was happening in the transaction. So the association was able to come together and create that standardized document that they could then provide easily uh, and efficiently to everybody in the industry to use, which is a, is a wonderful thing. So those are the, really the same four areas that we focus in on at the National Restaurant Association. What are we doing in those areas? Um, as a leader, my job is to really answer four questions for everybody on my team. Everybody in the organization needs to know where are we going as an organization, how we're gonna get there, what's their role and what's in it for them. And those questions are one that we worked on a lot at ALTA. They're based off of the Gallup Q4 questions on employee engagement. And it's really about what makes you feel engaged and energized at work. So knowing where you're going, where's the organization going. Um, for the National Restaurant Association, it's really about making sure that we help uh, this industry that's gone through so much in the last two years really thrive uh, as they come out. The chairman of our organization, who I said is the CEO of Golden Corral, has this great line that he uses with his team over and over again, that the comeback's greater than the setback. And I think that's such an important message for us to get out to the industry. But like every industry, a lot has changed. Uh, the way that people are eating at restaurants, the way they're ordering from restaurants, uh, all of that is changed and affected um, how the business operates, not to mention the workforce issues and of course the health and safety issues that are top of mind. So when we think about where we're going, those are the areas that we need to define. And then you know, how we're gonna do that is really um, that next bit of work where we figure out the defining objectives and those metrics for our organization, but it's good, things are great. Stay tuned to part two of our discussion, where we talk about maybe resolving some old habits in business to creating some new value propositions. We'll also talk about customer-centric strategies, competitive advantages or creating these competitive advantages, and advocacy in membership of these trade organizations, or really just advocacy in general with regards to any of our organizations. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.